0: From St. Louis Public Radio, this is St. Louis on the Air.
1: So you said you don't have any control over it. You don't really control where they end up. But by closing the workhouse, that left a lot less room in the, in the uh, city justice center for those federal detainees. I mean, would you see those
0: two things as related? Again, we don't have any control over where the federal government takes its detainees. Okay. Do you still believe that he's definitely putting the city first? Um, You know what, I I think he is in his own way. I'm Sarah Fenske. 100 days ago, Tashara
1: Jones began what may be the toughest job in town. Mayor of St. Louis. Now a lot has happened in that time, and she joins us today to discuss the good, the bad, and the complicated, and her plans for the next 100 days and the days after that. So Mayor Tashara Jones, welcome. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you, Sarah. So it feels like it's been such a busy 100 days. What do
0: you look at as your biggest accomplishment during that time? Well, you're right. It has been a busy couple days. Uh, You know, when I ran for mayor, I ran to shake up the status quo and change our city. And we've been working hard to deliver the promised changes uh, that we made on the campaign trail. And while I've ruffled a few feathers, I'm committed to building a city where every family, regardless of their zip code, color of their skin, or who they love or identify how they identify, can not just survive but thrive. You know, budgets are moral documents, and our first budget focuses focuses on addressing the root cause. The root causes of crime by investing millions in social workers, victim support services, supportive reentry services to make sure people who leave our jails don't end up back there. Uh, we zeroed out the budget of the workhouse in line with what I promised the community and ultimately ultimately the vast majority of individuals in our jails do, um, do not return, uh, to ensure that we have to make sure that they are connected to services. Uh, we're becoming an active partner in development, not a passive one. Uh, I've worked with automatic allies and renegotiated TIF funds to redirect $1.8 million to the affordable housing trust fund. And I lifted the hiring freeze on city employees and I'm working diligently with departments and personnel to recruit new hires, to make sure city residents can get the services they rely on and deserve.
1: So i got to call you out on this a little bit. That seems like more than one accomplishment right there.
0: (laughs) Just a little bit.
1: (laughs) But maybe it's a sense of just how much has been on your plate. You know, I couldn't help but notice in your first month, you signed the Crown Act into law. uh, That uh, protects people from discrimination based on having natural hair. You also vetoed tax abatements for two different projects in the Central Corridor. That all happened in the same
0: day. Should that have sort of put the city on notice, here's my priorities. Yes, absolutely. Uh, by uh, signing the Crown Act into law, I put, I, that was a signal that we are going to make sure that we provide an environment where everyone, no, no matter how they wear their hair or how they look or what zip code they live in, can succeed in our city uh, and take away some of the barriers that Black women have experienced uh, who re- who wear natural hairstyles and also to the development community. Development is welcome. We are not against tax incentives, but we want to make sure if we are investing investing. investing the city's tax dollars uh, in their developments, that we become, that we are an active partner, not a passive partner.
1: Do you think there's been some grumbling from developers that you're vetoing agreements that were already in place, you're bringing people back to the negotiating table? Have they been
0: very irritated by that? Well, Jesuit Hall uh, came back to the table and we were able to negotiate a deal that I think that's a win-win for everyone.
1: You have you know, there's long been this attitude that this is St. Louis. This is not Beverly Hills. We should just be grateful that anybody is building something here. And particularly if anybody is building something outside the central corridor, let's just give them whatever it takes to get that deal done. Do you think that's changing that that St. Louis is becoming more attractive uh, to people who are looking to, to build buildings and make money?
0: Yes, absolutely, St. Louis is becoming more attractive. Uh, NGA is going up on the near north side. Um, we have businesses that have contacted our offices that are uh, looking to relocate here. We also have uh, a new meat packing plant that's gonna open in South St. Louis and gonna provide uh, jobs paying an average of $65,000 a year. Uh, I think people are, are seeing that St. Louis is, gonna, is that city on the rise and they wanna invest in it.
1: Now, you mentioned when you were going through your accomplishments there, you mentioned the closure of the workhouse. And this was a big deal in the campaign. Um, But the post-dispatch has also reported that there have been some consequences that have come from that. And that is, in in some cases, uh, detainees are being moved to places like Tennessee, um, Kentucky. They're further away from their families. In some cases, their lawyers describe just how far they have to drive and and how complicated it is for them to have access to their own attorneys. It didn't really feel like like this is a long-term solution to have people that far away. Is there a plan to, to do something that would take away those long drives for family members who have a loved one in jail?
0: Well, uh, let me also state that the, the detainees who were moved away are federal detainees, and we have no control over what the federal government does with its, de- its detainees. Um, but uh, we are making sure uh, that our top priority is the health and safety of the de- detainees that we do have in our corrections facilities, as well as the officers, and we recognize there's a huge amount of work to be done to keep people safe. So you said you don't have any control over it, and you don't really control
1: where they end up, but by closing the workhouse, that left a lot less room in the, in the uh, city justice center for those federal detainees. I mean, would you see those two things as related? Again, we don't have any control over where the federal government takes its detainees. Okay. So you don't feel like the city bears responsibility for for those moves that it's making at this point?
0: We don't have any control over where the the federal government takes its detainees. If they decide to move them, that's on the federal government. So with the City Justice Center, that's obviously been a
1: big focus for a lot of people in the city. I know it's been a big focus for you. Um, The uh, corrections commissioner is now gone. Do you feel hopeful that those problems, that that's going to be a better
0: place for people to stay? Well, our top priority is the health and safety of our detainees and our corrections officers. Uh, We inherited this problem. uh, And so there's gonna be a lot of work to be done to change and update the CJC. Um, Again, we inherited a broken culture and a building that is in desperate need of fixing. So repairs and upgrades to the building will continue.
1: So you mentioned earlier this idea of budgets being moral documents. I want to talk a little bit about some spending, some related to the budget, some are not related to the budget. And I guess this is a good time for this. You have an announcement today that you're taking some executive action that relates to some spending. Um, what are you going to be expediting with this executive action?
0: So I've been ringing the alarm since June about um about spending these uh, federal funds uh, that we received, and I have urged the Board of Aldermen to pass the $81 million in direct relief to get shots in arms, keep families in their homes, and improve public safety. But a month later, these much-needed funds have been tied up by the President of the Board of Aldermen. But while he's obstructing these funds, the people of our city can't wait. So we have to get more people vaccinated, and we have to keep thousands of families in our city from being thrown out on the streets when the federal eviction moratorium expires. That's why today I'm taking executive action to direct nearly $3 million in local funding towards COVID-19 vaccination efforts and housing assistance resources for thousands of families while President Reed continues to obstruct urgently needed relief from St. Louis families. It's imperative that we boost our vaccination rates to keep people out of our hospital ICUs so people can get the care they need, COVID-related or not. And this action will expand mobile vaccination efforts and help the city acquire another mobile vaccination clinic to do more youth-focused outreach and events.
1: So this is local funding. This is not part of that 500 million dollars the city's looking at in federal COVID funds. Why is executive action necessary to move this forward?
0: Executive action is necessary because we are still in the middle of a pandemic and the Delta variant is on the rise across our state. Uh, Again, I have been sounding this alarm since June that we needed to act quickly and the President of the Board of Aldermen continues to obstruct this process. And so this
1: is a way of, of transferring funds um, from, from some local budgets over to
0: others. Yes, we are using existing funds uh, to make sure that we can keep shots in arms, keep people in their homes and improve public safety.
1: So I want to talk a bit about the president of the Board of Aldermen, Lewis Reed. Now, when you were running for mayor, um, you were asked, this was at a debate, who you'd endorse if you didn't make the final cut in the city's approval voting primary. Obviously, that didn't happen. This was a hypothetical. But here's Mm -hmm. what you said in response to that question.
0: I have had a long friendship with uh, President Louis Reed. Uh, we went, we go way back to working uh, at People's Health Centers uh, uh, under the late great Betty Jean Kerr. Um, and I know that at his heart, uh, he uh, he is uh, he definitely uh, is putting this, the city
1: first. Now that is from a mayoral debate. That's you speaking about Lewis Reed, the president of the Board of Aldermen. Do you still believe that he's definitely putting the city first?
0: Um, You know what? I I think he is in his own way. Uh, However, I would uh, implore him that uh, it's time to stop playing political games uh, and move this direct relief package forward. He knows what he needs to do. Uh, We have reached out to him time and time again, and we've been met with nothing but uh, rebuffs. Um, and even recently, he said he's not going to change one word. Uh, but you know, if my my attorneys told me not to do something, and I'm going to listen to my attorneys. I'm sure if if your attorney told you not to do something, would you do it? Uh, so you know, we have to remember that in these reports that we file to the uh, federal government, the mayor's name is on those reports. So it is important that we make sure that we make every attempt to make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed, and we are following federal law.
1: And I want to just um, remind people of what you're talking about when you say your attorney's told you not to do this. This goes back to $33 million that he wants to spend on economic development, and this would use federal CARES Act funding for that. And this seems to be the the impasse between his plan and uh, what you want here. You're saying you will not move this forward if it has this money in it. Um, And your lawyers have told you this is something you, you can't spend federal money on?
0: No, our lawyers have told us that uh, the way that it is currently worded, with is, which is general economic development, is not, um, is, is not, does not follow federal guidelines. Hmm. Uh, it's not about the money and it's not about the purpose of the money. It's just how it's worded. So all we have to do is just change the way it's worded and then we can move forward.
1: And he says he
0: won't change a word. Yeah, that's what he says now. So it feels like we get a lot of
1: press releases sort of arguing about this back and forth. When is the last time you guys were able to sit down
0: and talk about this face-to-face? Uh, We just talked to him a a couple of weeks ago. We have been reaching out to him uh, to come sit at the table, to negotiate, to to talk about the the things that are are, that need to be fixed in the bill. Uh, And he has made his decision that this is the direction he wants to go. And it's unfortunate because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. The Delta variant is still on the rise. We have to get shots in arms. We have to keep people in their homes and we have to improve public safety in our city.
1: And so with this executive action you're talking about today, that expedites $3 million, but there's still this huge chunk of federal money that's sitting there. Um, what's going to happen next with this? He says he's not going to change a word. You're saying this verbiage is not acceptable.
0: What will it take to break this logjam? You know, we're going to continue to reach out to the, to the president, um, and hopefully he has a change of heart. We got a a tweet
1: uh, from Jack. He says, I'd love some clarity from the mayor about how she plans to ensure vaccine availability and information reaches those in North City, especially in wards like the 21st, where the alderman has explicitly said he doesn't believe in vaccines. How can we help his constituents? I know this is part of this funding you're talking about today. Um, Any specifics you can talk about as it relates to that
0: plan? well we will be um, making sure that we get another mobile vaccination clinic and we will meet people where they are just last week we were at Farragut elementary school at a resource fair that was sponsored by representative Kimberly Ann Collins Uh, and we are looking for more opportunities to partner with organizations uh, who do community fairs back to school fairs are about to start so we're going to take this mobile vaccine unit uh, and probably possibly purchase another one and 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 be everywhere where people are
1: do you think people are open to it I mean if you make it super convenient for them are there a lot of city residents who are going to be on board for getting these shots
0: we hope so I mean education is part of the big push as well it's not just you know hey we're here with this mobile vaccine clinic get a shot no we're going to take our health professionals with us um, and our volunteer health professionals with us and uh, help them educate our community about how important it is to get vaccinated
1: Our guest today is St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones. Today is her 100th day as mayor. It's an exciting milestone. We're glad she's here with us today. We are open to your questions and calls, like that tweet we just got from Jack. So what questions do you have for her? And what do you think should top her agenda for the next 100 days? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with the mayor. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. And now back to our conversation. Our guest today is St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones. Today is her 100th day in office. Just before the break, we were talking a bit about vaccines. Mayor Jones, it seems pretty frustrating that we're still talking so much about COVID-19 right now at a point when we were all hoping to be past this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it is frustrating. Uh, we And we had to uh, reinstate a mask mandate uh, earlier this week. And, and, I, and I get, I feel people's frustration. But Like I said, the Delta variant is spreading like wildfire across our state, and we have to do something to mitigate the spread.
1: Your counterpart, County Executive Sam Page, he faced a lot of hostility, um, even from people there on the county council, as well as a lot of residents over this. I feel like I haven't heard as much reaction in the city. Is, Is there a sense from your office of how this is
0: going over? Uh, I haven't heard much reaction either. Uh, we are um, uh, we are hopeful that uh, we that our aldermen are also listening to the advice of the St. Louis Pandemic Task Force, which is, as everybody knows, a, a collection of federally qualified health center leaders as well as um, our medical professionals who sounded the alarm just last week about returning to a mask mandate. Mm-hmm.
1: We just got a tweet from Joshua. He writes, is there an update in regards to a vaccine mandate for municipal employees? This is something that that you've said you're contemplating.
0: Well, just a couple of days ago, we announced our vaccine incentive program for city employees, uh, that they will get a $100 gift card uh, if they get vaccinated after July 27th. Um, So we are hopeful that that will... um, uh, that will increase our vaccination rate um, and then we'll you know, evaluate situations as they evolve.
1: So you're at this point using the carrot, not the stick.
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) (laughs) so one other question that has kind of arisen in these last couple days there's been some prominent st louis businesses some favorite restaurants have said they are now going to require vaccines for people to come inside do you see any sort of future amendment of the city order if someone is having a hundred percent vaccinated um, indoor area is that something where the mask mandate could later be changed
0: Well, you know what, I applaud those businesses for for stepping up and and issuing a a strong uh, uh, statement about making sure that their indoor diners um, are protected and that protects their staff and their staff's families as well. Um, ben Perimba, I believe, was the first to do this. And he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I totally support him in that.
1: Yeah, Ben Paremba, I believe that is right. He owns Olio, Alaya, a lot of well-loved city re- uh, restaurants. It'll be interesting. It seems like others could be now following him. We've now heard yeah, the Royale he, is doing it. People yeah, may have get, to get vaccinated.
0: Ben gets a lot of my money. Yes, he has great <laughs> food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mine too. <laughs> I want to go to the phone lines. We have a call from Mike who's calling from St. Saint- Louis. Uh, Mike hi you're on st. Louis on the air
2: yeah yeah thanks for taking my call thank you uh, miss mayor uh, I just like to ask you know about since you mentioned about the carrot anyway but uh, how are you going to incentivize these businesses to come to st. Louis you talked about them that they you know called your office and, and inquired about it but how are you going to incentivize them to come here in st. Louis and also what are you going to do about the the business, the buildings that are downtown that are empty. Now, what's your plan to help uh, fill those
1: up? And- Mike, thank you for those questions. I know downtown is a concern of, of many residents. Sort of a two part question there, but I'd, I'd love to hear your response, Mayor Jones.
0: Well, we are actively working with our new SLDC director, uh, Neil Richardson, uh, to uh, uh, make sure that we are providing an environment where businesses want to uh, relocate to St. Louis and can succeed and thrive. Uh, we know that a lot of businesses had to shut down for various reasons during COVID um, and that returning to uh, a full staff indoors uh, is still uh, uh, happening on a on a slow pace. Uh, all I can do is that, you know, the people elected me to not only be mayor, but I will be St. Louis's number one cheerleader, uh, and so I will also uh, make sure that I make my myself available to uh, meet and greet new businesses as they continue to uh, consider moving to St. Louis.
1: So there are a lot of downtown residents who are sort of vocally unhappy at this point, and these problems definitely predate you taking over as mayor. But, you know, with so many fewer office workers down there, it seems like drag racing has become such a concern, street parties. It feels like a bit of lawlessness there. Um, How are you feeling about the current state of downtown?
0: Well, we have met uh, uh, a couple of times with the downtown residents and have tried to um, address their concerns. Uh, we have increased patrols uh, in conjunction with the sheriff's office downtown on the weekends. Uh, we made some changes to how our police are deployed uh, during certain hours. So um, we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that uh, downtown is a safe um, and enjoyable entertainment district for everybody. Bigger picture, crime is just
1: always a concern in this city, Um, and I know your priority is to attack the root causes of crime, but that approach can take years, if not a generation, to bear fruit. Do you feel like you have a short-term plan that is also helping people who are in neighborhoods um, where they're dealing with high crime?
0: Well, absolutely. I think that, but I think that you can also get some short-term wins by addressing root causes. So, you know, we continue to support the Cure Violence program. Uh, we're also looking into focused deterrence um, and how we can use that as well uh, to uh, help deter those who the the small amount of those who are uh, continuing to live a life of crime. And also, uh, after the first hundred days, what we'll be doing is c- uh, concentrating on two things: on the city's infrastructure and rolling out a public safety blueprint that's informed by community needs. You know, the people closest to the problem are closest to the solution. And so we want to make sure that our public safety approach is one that involves community input.
1: So is that the focus for these next 100 days, infrastructure and then public safety?
0: 100 days and beyond, right? Uh, (laughs) We're not going to solve either in 100 days, right? (laughs) Not going to solve either in 100 days. Um, But again, uh, we have an opportunity to uh, address infrastructure needs as well as a public safety blueprint uh, that is supported by the community. So we will be. Uh, doing town halls and community listening sessions uh, to listen to uh, the community needs uh, and try to address those uh, within our public safety blueprint.
1: Within that public safety uh, silo, it feels like the 911 dispatch system is the one thing every mayoral candidate agreed was a huge problem. Uh, Mayor Lida and agreed it was a huge problem. She thought she had a fix. We find out now maybe that fix didn't take Um, Why is this such a stubborn problem it seems so simple on paper?
0: Well, uh, the the simple part, which is not so simple, is hiring more people to answer the phone. Um, and uh, fortunate, fort- unfortunate,ly uh, we are we are hiring. Uh, we had a hiring freeze that I lifted, uh, so we could. There was uh, there was a hiring freeze during the previous administration during COVID. Uh, but and this is I might also point out this has been a problem over multiple administrations. So um, we are working actively with our personnel department, with our public safety director. Uh, to make some changes to 911 uh, operators um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to solve that problem within my administration.
1: I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, representative Mike Person is actually calling. He's a representative of Ferguson. Uh, representative Person, hi. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air.
2: Well, well, good afternoon. Uh, I'm uh, thankful that I was able to uh, get in on this call. Uh, I must be one lucky guy with uh n p r because I've been able to talk to most of uh your uh elected guests but uh, uh congratulations again uh mr. Shaw for winning the mayor race uh It often seems like every time you try to do something it it's almost in their dna to be adverse to whatever you're trying to do so you 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 want to make big steps, but of course it always ends up being baby steps. Uh, the changes I would like to see in uh, North City, of course, is just urban development. I mean, it's like a, a football field worth of land every other block and uh, don't understand why. I, I don't know whether it's the, uh, LRA. I don't know whether it's trucking it's by uh, the, the Board of Aldermen or if it's from the, the mayor's office. What do you think we can do to have to expedite some kind of urban growth in the city of St. Louis.
1: Representative Person, thank you for that call and, and we appreciate We always put your call through because we love hearing from you. Mayor Jones?
0: Yes, yeah, so um, backing up, uh, I mentioned earlier that we hired a new executive director of uh, the St. Louis Development Corporation, uh, Neil Richardson, who brings a wealth of experience uh, in development and also doing capital stacks over at U.S. Bank. Um, Neil's uh, plan, uh, along with it, it's not just Neil's plan, but it's our plan, is one that focuses on racial equity, one that focuses on North St. Louis and parts of South St. Louis that haven't been invested in in decades and focuses on reducing the racial wealth gap Um, and part of that plan is going to be uh, developed with the community we want to make sure that development happens with the community not to the community so we will be uh we he is in the process of um uh, reorganizing uh, sldc to make it more outward facing to have uh neighborhood uh uh uh, people who will be talking to people in the neighborhoods to uh, develop uh, uh, action plans and develop uh, development plans uh, to move North St. Louis forward. You know, my vision for North St. Louis is just like we see what we see now in the Central Corridor where there are cranes in the sky. I want to see cranes in the sky in North St. Louis.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, stepping back in our final minutes here, um, Governing Magazine recently did a really good profile of you, I thought. And it it wasn't just about, it barely touched on uh, you as a person, but it looked at what you're up against and, and what it's like being the mayor of St. Louis. They suggested the city is largely ungovernable. They quoted Kenneth Warren of St. Louis University. He said, quote, the structure is set against a mayor of St. Louis being successful because they just don't have the power to move an agenda. Not a single mayor since I arrived here in the 1970s has been successful. And he's talking about the basic structural, the weak mayor structure that we have here in this city. Mm -hmm. Do you see an opening to move an agenda that he doesn't?
0: Yeah, so I would say to Dr. Warren, watch me work. Um, You know, I think that, uh, that they say that this is a weak mayor system, but it's only as weak as the person that's in it. Um, and I have already uh, had taken some steps that previous mayors haven't. Like, for example, I meet regularly with the other countywide office holders and respect their positions um, and don't try to, uh, to to push an agenda towards them and to see also how we can combine our efforts and combine our resources to do things in a more collaborative way. Um, we also are doing the same thing with St. Louis County. You know, there are so many things that we can be working on together to Uh, erase duplication of effort uh, to save uh, both the city and the county and our also countywide executives uh, money. So um, I think that communication and collaboration is key uh, and I look forward to uh, working with uh, with my colleagues in city government as well as in our region. So one of the little details
1: in the Governing Magazine profile, they said it took a week to figure out how to turn on the lights in your office. (laughs) Are are things just so Byzantine over at City Hall that, I I mean, have you learned Mm -hmm. things as mayor that would almost blow our mind about how things are run?
0: Uh, yeah, I have uh, learned a few things that would actually blow uh, blow people's minds. I mean, this building is old. Uh, it was built in 1904, so we know we all know what happened in 1904 in St. Louis, <laughs> the World's Fair, right? That's a while um, ago. While it is a beautiful building, it is still old, and so uh, there are things uh, I, I wasn't aware of. You know, again, how to turn the lights on until I found an electrical panel two offices over, um, and uh, you know. I, I would say that, um, um, while, while there are challenges, I see them as opportunities, uh, opportunities to make things better. Um, and so um, I am uh, happy that I have uh, dedicated staff uh, who show up every day bright eyed and bushy tailed and dedicated to serve uh, the people of the city as well as this administration. So we will be uh, tackling one problem at a time and uh, hopefully we will uh, be able to uh, see some movement and create a city where everyone can thrive.
1: Well, St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones, congratulations on making it through 100 days, and, and thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Okay, thank you so much.
1: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.